0: Welcome, and thanks for tuning in. You must be pondering some fantasy sports questions. Well, good news, because you just turned into another episode of Keepers, Sleepers, and Creepers with John and Paul. Well, John, we didn't quite do our math right. Not that we really tried. We've been so into baseball and all the benefits and the rewards that we were reaping there. But... Um, you know, the the preview didn't get there. But we're to preview the whole thing before the season starts, so we're going to bring it with every division in a special episode, except the North divisions that we've done so far tonight. Yeah.
1: We fell pretty behind on our uh, information, but we still want to see if we can get enough of the information for most of the drafts that are going to be happening this weekend. So... Hopefully, we'll be able to cover everybody that we find important. We might not go into every team's detail as much, but I think we'll oh, cover most of the fantasy landscape anyway.
0: Yeah, and, and even more so than maybe drafts this late, we're giving you some trading advice, since I mean, you love trades, and that's kind of the gist of our show. We're so trade-heavy and trade ideas, so... Yes. Um, you know, last-second deals. If you're kind of leaning one way towards a player, we'll hopefully confirm it. So what we're going to do is a division special where we go through the NFC, AFC, East, West, and South... Highlight a Keeper, Sleeper, and Creeper from that division in a special preview episode before the season gets started. So, John, where are we starting? NFC or AFC?
1: Uh, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm looking at AFC right now. so Let's do it. AFC. All right.
0: All right. So you've tuned into an episode of Keeper, Sleeper, and Creeper where we're doing a preview special, like we said, for the NFL uh, fantasy football season coming up. Um, keepers being people that we believe in, we like their ADP, go ahead and draft them. And I think they're solid for you all season long. Sleepers being people ADP is a little bit too low and you should draft them uh, a little bit higher before everybody else catches wind of them. And Creeper are people that are a little bit too high and you should stay away from and go elsewhere at that round. Um, so hopefully we'll help you out there or make it help you get a trade going. So, John, it, within the AFC, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which division are we sticking with first? How does East sound? Are you interested in the East? Yeah, let's do the East. To be honest. Home of the Patriots. Least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Home of the Patriots. Yeah. With no rivals in the foreseeable future. They've been rebuilding for years with... Nothing happening. So it's like
1: two years where Miami kind of looked mildly competitive, like a decade ago. And right. And the Jets look like they're got the defense going, but no offense, and Buffalo just they're out being there Buffalo, butt fumbling and butt fumbling. Yep, yep. In their prime, that was their best, as the butt fumble <laughs>
0: years. So, what are we doing? Keeper, sleeper, creeper. First,
1: um, I'll start with my keeper. Do it. So, so my keeper for this division is going to be Le'Veon Bell which surprises me because over the last few years, I really haven't loved him as much as uh, other people have. I thought his workload was gonna be a problem, but considering he's gone to the Jets and sat out all of last year, I think that alleviates my major concern on him. He's a three down back going to a team that he will be the focal point of that offense. I mean, he will be leaving the Pittsburgh uh, confines, which I think made him so successful with a great offensive line and a quarterback that's willing to get him the ball. And then they definitely made him a priority in the offense. So I think you're going to be seeing a little bit less of a high ceiling on his good games, but his workload should be more consistent, considering the offense has to run through him. A lot of talk is that Darnold is improving, uh, which will help him in the passing game a bit and take the pressure off him a bit. However, I think he's worth his average draft position that is kind of falling in the low end of the first round or the high end of the second round. I think, to me, he seems like a pretty reliable RB1 overall.
0: Well then, before I get to my keeper, we'll go ahead and keep the talk on Le'Veon Bell, where I have him as a creeper. Oh. Um, Just no way I trust him right now. Yeah, he got the year off on those legs, but those legs still got a lot of miles on them. And I don't really care about the year off. He's going to be so rusty coming into this season, and it wouldn't be a thing if Russ hasn't proven to bite him in the butt in the past, but in 2017, he started the season off to a paltry 3.4 yards per carry after sitting out the whole training camp, so... You know, time off doesn't benefit Le'Veon Bell too much. And what's really sad about Le'Veon Bell is I think he was such a product of the system. James Conner kind of proved that. Um, really picked up right where Le'Veon Bell left off, and that's the name of the game. It's all about the trenches. Um, I mean, next man up can do it as long as they're in game-ready shape and they've learned the offense. So that's what James Conner did. Le'Veon Bell is now going to the Jets, who have nowhere near the offense, especially offensive line, that the. Pit- Uh, about to say the Pittsburgh Pirates Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) had Baseball's always on my (laughs) mind (laughs) And Gase is notorious For not only utilizing His main running back well But conflicting with them, Which he's already done on the offseason So especially now that Gase is saying That to start the season to get Le'Veon Bell Back into game ready shape Mentally and everything He's going to start the season with a committee Between Le'Veon Bell and Ty Montgomery No, I'm not doing that I don't know anybody that's going to commit Ty Montgomery with Le'Veon Bell. I just think, I mean,
1: hearing that is concerning, but in in my opinion, we know who Ty Montgomery is. He's just an acceptable third down back with receiving upside. I'm just saying that
0: proves that I know who Adam Gase is, which is a bad coach, and that's a bad team. Le'Veon Bell
1: isn't with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I would hope he's not that bad, because how are you going to give him carries in comparison to Le'Veon Bell? I don't know. So, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just not super worried overall. I think he'll be at least a solid RB1. Uh, he's not my favorite. He's not in the top S tier by any means, but I think he's okay.
0: Well, then, I'll get to my keeper, and I'll let you have creeper grounds here in a second. Sure um, I just wanted to get our Le'Veon talk out of the way. My keeper's going to be Sony Michelle who was just great hmm. efficiency last season when he got the ball. And, uh, you know, the biggest concern is his knee. And especially when they go out and draft another running back, you think, well, is there, you know, some story about his knee? But he has looked so good in the preseason shots that I've seen. Very sharp cuts. Knee looks very healthy. Doesn't look like he's afraid at all to do any cut or, you know, take a hit. And I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Sonny Michelle. And, gosh, he looked good. And he may, again, product of the system, the Patriots set him up for success every time he touched that ball. Looks like it's going to be happening again this year, especially as he dominates goal line work for the running backs there in that crew. Mm-hmm. Of course, I prefer him in standard over PPR because he doesn't really touch the ball in passing downs at all, but it's all right, um, especially if you're standard. As long as Tony Michelle's in the reports are coming back great, which they are right now, you draft him because he's going to be the number one dude getting the carries in that offense.
1: Yeah. I mean, Michelle's an interesting guy. I, I think... Uh, he, I think his draft draft position is fine with where he's at in general. I'm not thrilled about him because of the knee problems that he's had consistently and the depth within the running back core for New England, but he is the number one guy in an offense that will run the ball a lot with a good offensive line. That's three things that are very hard to argue with, and he's a goal back in an offense that typically gets to the goal line a lot. He might lead the league in rushing touchdowns this year, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. Right. All things considered. He, he isn't a yeah great in PPR leagues, but, yeah, I'm with you. I think I pick it up.
0: Yeah. I mean, at 50, I'm keeping him there. That sounds good. I mean,
1: to be honest, do you really think about him in a nutshell? Is he really that much different than Fournette from a one-dimensional guy on a run-first team? Because I know a lot of people hear Tom Brady and think passing, but they don't really have the weapons anymore to continually air it out all game long. Yeah. So they should be a run-first team if they want to be effective at winning this right. season. So I don't see a lot of difference there, and his draft position is lower than that. So I feel it.
0: Cool. Then who are you creeping on since I stole Creeper Talk? I'm creeping on Robbie
1: Anderson, a New York Jets wide receiver. Uh, like you were saying, Adam Gase offense, which is a slow-paced offense. That's what everybody's mm-hmm. been saying with the way he runs it in Miami. Not a lot of snaps. And, I mean, that may help uh, Darnold play better in a slower-paced offense. Being a young quarterback, it might give him a little more confidence, but Robbie Anderson's one of these all-or-nothing receivers, and I yeah. hate all-or-nothing receivers. Yeah. Last season, he had eight games under six fantasy points, and then four games over 12. So we're looking at, for the majority of the season, he basically is not giving you a meaningful contributions to help you from a fantasy aspect. Plus, they acquired J- Jamison Crowder from Washington, who isn't a, I mean a stud by any means.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But he had 50 catches last year when he was pretty much the number one receiver for Robbie Anderson for the majority of the season. Right. I mean, Darnold should be improving, theoretically, from a lot of this, and that might improve his upside slightly. But considering that's kind of how he is, at 55 in the draft, a boomer bust pick like that on a bad offense that shouldn't be an air-it-out offense with the acquisition of Le'Veon Bell, I don't know if he actually equates to being worth that much in the draft. If you can get him closer to, like, the 7th, 8th round, that's where I'm feeling a little more interested. But I think most people will take him earlier than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, mean, honestly, what we're talking about, and I think what everybody would kind of agree is that Adam Gase is a failed project before it's even tried. Like, it's tired already. Uh, I'm tired of it, kind of. I mean, he it's basically ran the
1: GM out of the town. So the the team he's playing with is what the GM he didn't agree with. Right. So that's not a great sign either.
0: Right. And uh, he didn't do too good job developing Tannehill, but here we are. They're going to give it a go in New York, and I guess does it even matter because who cares. It's been New England's g- division for... So long, and I guess that's why keeper and sleeper, the two, you know, bonafide positions of our podcast, both belong to the Patriots. And when I go sleeper, I'm going Josh Gordon, and it's just because mm. his ceiling is insane compared is. to his ADP. And uh, I mean, you look at Edelman's ADP, and he's going around wide receiver ten, and then you look at Gordon's; he's going around wide receiver thirty. That's insane because if Gordon plays healthy, and Stays away from Mary Jane. <laughs> I mean, he's going to outproduce Edelman. I don't in oh yes. my heart 100%. Oh, yes. Um, he's, he got in sync with, you know, after he got in sync with Brady at the end of last season, he started to look really, really good. I think his floor is like 50 yards, and he was going over 100, and it was looking nice. Uh, then he got, you know, taken out of the game. And, you know, he handled it well, I thought, with the tweets, encouraging the Patriots, he didn't shy away from it and everything. I don't know. I have no faith in the guy when it comes to staying clean. Yeah. I hope he does for his sake. But fantasy-wise, I'm taking the risk on him down, you know, it's 70-ish, around there.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, especially if him and Brady kept throwing on the off season, It seemed like he is just completely bought into this Patriots way of doing things. And if he wasn't, Belichick wouldn't have him back. I mean, he was a legit wide receiver one when he was real young. Mm-hmm. If he keeps it together, he's still a freak athlete. I mean, where he's going at wide receiver 30, come on.
1: I think where he's at, I couldn't be happier to get him. Mm -hmm. Because right about when I see him in the draft boards, it starts to get a little bit more shaky from really high potential like breakout players in the middle of the rounds like that. And he is clearly that. Mm -hmm. You you get yourself a wide out one if he stays on the field. I'm not confident
0: at all that he does, Mm -hmm.
1: but I think at that point the risk is worth it.
0: Right. Plain and simple. Yeah. I mean, he's going around like Sterling Shepard, and if somebody picks, you know.
1: <laughs> and I mean, like... Sterling Shepard has opportunity, but what will his explosion look like in comparison to Josh Gordon's? We're not even talking about the same caliber of player. No. Like, we're talking about, well, if Sterling Shepard works out, he's an okay wide out, too. If Gordon works out, we're talking about him with Devontae Adams up there in the first round yeah. level production, DeAndre Hopkins, because that's what he was doing in Cleveland.
0: I, yeah, when he was I, on the field. Right, right, right. I don't know if he'll give you that, even if he stays on the field, just because it's not the Patriots' way of doing things. I'd, they will be a run-first team. Yeah, I don't. I don't put him up there. I don't. I mean, he's got the talent to be up there. Just that's just not the Patriots' way, kind of thing. They're just they're like Spurs
1: ran team. I mean, a little bit. It's an, they spread the ball around a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's
0: kind of Brady's thing. But and there's so many checkdowns, but. But I do like him a lot. That's why he's my sleeper. I mean, if he can stay clean on the season, you've got yourself a deal. For sure. For sure. Who's your sleeper?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Devin Singletary, surprisingly. Um, Ranked at 69 right now. Um, The landscape has changed a lot. (laughs) Involved with the trade of LaShawn McCoy. And a lot of people's draft stocks are flying everywhere right now. So it's kind of hard to get a feel on where people are ranked and where people think they're going to be. Singletary has intrigue for me at 69. The offensive line for Buffalo looks better than what it was last season. It's rated at right now at Pro Football Focus 19th, which is putting them a little bit more on the low-ish end, but not mm-hmm. miserable. Um, they still have a poor sporting cast, and Frank Gore is a problem to Devin Singletary's upside. And Yeldon,
0: being it, a pass-catching back.
1: 100%. And Yeldon, as well, will be on the field. And you know what this reminds me of so much? David Montgomery's exact situation. Buffalo's team is much worse than Chicago's. This is the poor man's version. But David Montgomery, it reminds me a lot of Devin Singletary, whereas Frank Gore reminds me a lot of Mike Davis, Mm -hmm. and then Tariq Cohen reminds me a lot of TJ Yeldon. Mm -hmm. All three of those running backs are worse at what they're doing right now in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. but if Montgomery's situation is up as high as it is in the draft, and I am excited about David Montgomery, Mm -hmm. I think this team has to succeed through the run because Mm -hmm. Josh Allen isn't consistent enough to carry this offense with Cole Beasley and John Brown. So, in my opinion, with this young rookie here and the fact they were willing to get rid of McCoy shows they have some level of confidence in him. Mm -hmm. So, I think you got yourself a a pretty decent running back three that I think you could rely on most weeks because he should get carries right there at 69. So, I think you could draft him slightly higher and still possibly have enough upside for him to be interesting. He was a 2019 third-round pick this year, and uh, Josh Allen did play better than I expected him to last year because I thought it was going to be an absolute dumpster fire in there in Buffalo. Um, LaShawn McCoy was absolutely filthy and effective at like a 3.0 yards per carry in the same offense. So I'm definitely a little less thrilled, but he's a guy that I think has real upside later in the middle to later rounds there.
0: Yeah, I'd keep my eye on him, but there's so much going against that Buffalo team. When I see the LaShawn McCoy cut, it's not so much they have confidence in the guys they brought in. It's that they brought those guys in because this season's done for already, and McCoy was going to get paid for excess of $4 million, so they just cut him to save money because... Hank ownership, just like, yeah. We really ran this team in the ground. (laughs) We haven't been good for a long time. Like, what are they doing? Like, I don't care about Buffalo enough to follow them, but it's like, how is this the team you have Why the Patriots have been just, you know, destroying the whole division? Like, how do you not have a better With 20 picks less. Yeah.
1: Every year, for the last 15 years. You've been giving them the worst picks, and they still build a
0: better team. Yeah, how do you not look... Like, at least, like you said, with Jets and Rex Ryan, there's a little bit of competition there. Some years with the Dolphins, it's like, okay, they put together at least an interesting team. Mm-hmm. But the Bills have just sucked nonstop. So it's like, what have you been doing?
1: I don't know. Like, they went after Bledsoe, and that was the last time I thought there was a little bit, a tiny bit of hope for them. I mean, they made playoffs it here, which is
0: really strange.
1: Yeah, I guess what they did. Like, but with Tyrod Taylor in the Miracle Game, where the no. Bengals barely got him into the playoffs. Yeah. But did I mean, anyone think they had a chance at winning a game?
0: Right. In the playoffs? It speaks more to the AFC landscape, yes. Than like Tyrod Taylor in the playoffs. Oh man, <laughs> isn't that crazy? Yeah. So I, I it don't wasn't know. That long ago. <laughs> I don't dig it. I definitely like Montgomery a lot more. Oh, for sure. David Montgomery is. In every way superior. Because where Mike Davis, you know, they brought in Mike Davis, and I think he does pose a threat to Montgomery, but Mike Davis isn't the name of Frank Gore. Where Frank Gore's coming in here, you know, 86 years old, and he's coming in expecting to start, and he's going to get his carries. Um, You know, Mike Davis doesn't have that pedigree Frank Gore's got. Frank Frank Gore didn't sign up for another season just to sit on the bench.
1: No, and he will get carries. But I think you could support, let let me rephrase that, I think... There's enough carries to go around for an opportunity standpoint with him. I don't think Frank Gore's 15 carries will completely neuter his effectiveness.
0: And just, I guess, how effective will the Bills be? But that's enough of Bills talk. Yeah, yeah that is a bad offense I, in a situation. I can't talk situation. too much about the old Bills.
1: My look is running back three for Poor,
0: Singletary. Poorly ran teams just drive me insane. But... <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. All right. AFC West or South? Let's go South. Let's go around that compass. Going South. All right, then. We started Keeper last time, mm-hmm. went Creeper. What are you, where are you feeling in this landscape to start this time? I'm going to start Creeper,
1: and I'm okay. going to go with Duke Johnson. I dig it. Uh, he's a guy that his average draft position shot up immensely. Insane. Because of the Lamar Miller injury. And I get that. I really do. His mm-hmm. his, his value did improve after mm-hmm. all of this. But he's ranked right now at 60? Yeah. And it's a new situation. He's running back 26 on the season But to me, it's a thin running back core anyway. He's never been able to handle primary carries in Cleveland, even when there was much less talent around. Mm -hmm. He's an effective, efficient person, and there's intrigue there for sure. But they acquired Carlos Hyde, and they're talking with Jay Ajayi right now Mm -hmm. about trying to sign him. So to me, this doesn't look like a clear RB1 situation for Mm -mm. him here in Houston. No. And their offensive line is terrible. Yeah. So...
0: And have they ever utilized a pass catching back cuz that's all dude Johnson is. You're not going to see this guy carry the ball inside the tackle, right. so I think you're getting about 5 carries a game. M- yeah. And I mean the- maybe more at the beginning until they realize that probably not the best idea, but they also suited Alfred Blue for like 18 seasons, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, that's even a- <laughs> Lamar Miller, so. maybe their standard is right there. I don't know. I agree with you. I mean I, just, I like him. Yes, I like him. If you got him back in like the 80s and stuff yes. before all this happened, good for you. But now this, no, thank you, because he's a pass catching back. And you know, some of the guys that listened to our podcast last season, like, oh man, you yeah, bet you're all over Duke Johnson right now after you raved on him last season. I liked him last season because he was a perfect complement to Nick Chubb in that offense, and he was a pass catching back, and he should have been one of the better pass catching backs in the game. I didn't like him because I thought he should ever be in. A, RB1. A primary RB1, yeah. Yeah.
1: So. I said the same thing. If you can get him around pick 100, that's perfect. Around the supporting cast that you got.
0: And I would say even 80 is good. I'm sure. 100 is, yeah, perfect, but 80 is solid. But just know that by the end of the season, I don't think he leads this team in carries. I completely agree. Or touches, for
1: that matter. I think he's just a guy that. If they pick up Carlos Hyde, that fits the Alfred Blue mold that they were comfortable with last season, where yeah. it's a really unexciting... Pretty much the
0: same thing, because that guy's got nothing left
1: in him either. <laughs> Doesn't look like it. So, it, I think they're going to find some other person somehow, even if it's undrafted free agents, to take some of the workload away from him, and it won't be a pure rushing offense. And even no. if They're, if they're, they're going to be passing a lot. Their leading rusher is
0: probably going to be Watson.
1: I wouldn't be... Sh- right. <laughs> I wouldn't be super <laughs> shocked if, like, half the games this next like, season he does that. Yeah. So I don't know. I think he has more limited upside than he appears. So don't draft him around 60. I don't think he's worth it. Much better people surrounding him. Cool.
0: All right, then. All right, then. My creeper, then, is T.Y. Hilton. Um, Uh, Okay. And that's just, I feel very good about that. Um, Four of his seven years as a pro, he's only been, he's only, out of seven years pro, he's only been top 24 times. I should word it like that. And he's only ever been a top 10 wide receiver one time. However, he's unanimously selected as a much better wide receiver than that. Now you take Andrew Luck out of the situation again and give him Brissette. I do not dig it. There's literally no upside with T.Y. Hilton. and wh- Not what- to exceed on a draft stock. Ian. Yeah. What league are you drafting T.Y. Hilton over Josh Gordon? I don't know. You know, when we're talking about this, there's just not any upside to that. So, I don't understand it. I still see him going like crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No thanks. The counter-argument for this,
1: which... I can't say I have an immense amount of confidence in, but T.Y. Hilton with Brissett, you're still not losing the deep threat ability from him, but you're definitely losing the consistency of his execution from game to game, which is why you're drafting him this high in the draft. Yeah. So to me, I think he turns into a guy similar to Robbie Anderson, and he doesn't fit the style of what I'm looking for. And I know I said boomer bust player, but I'm gonna I'm gonna extrapolate that on that a little bit more. What I'm talking about is a boomer bust player will be good enough to help you. Really dramatically increase your chances of winning games. They play well, but they also lose you games as well when they don't play well because their floor is so low on a game-to-game basis. And to me, the inconsistency of having those players in your lineup equal yeah. an equivalent loss-to-win area. So if you're not playing those, if you're playing those in key positions like wideout one or two mm-hmm. or running back one or two, you lose out. If you can play him in the flex, that's where you can get value because the floor of other players
0: is about as low as those players. But I'm, And I agree with you. That's the definition of Boomer Bust. I love it. I know what you're saying there. But when I think Boomer Bust, I think Tyreek Hill, right? Because yeah. he actually can win you a week straight up. Nobody else on the team needs to really play. He goes insane. Yes. But I would like to call these people Popper Busts. Because I don't think Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold or T.Y. Hilton and Brissett are enough to actually really win you a week, ever. Even with a fantastic week. Maybe they break away from one touchdown, but it's not like <laughs> Robbie Anderson, two touchdowns and 180 yards. Like with Sam Darnold and that Jets team, no. I really like that popper, popper bust. bust. Because
1: there's a <laughs> lot of those players and I hate them. Yeah. Like the popper bust, like the Deshaun Jackson's from last right. year or
0: something. Tyreek, like, you can warrant because he goes off frequently enough that it's.
1: And the boom, i don't like
0: that like you said i'm I, the same way
1: the booms are so lucrative that mm-hmm. you can't even make an argument that it's not worth it mm-hmm. having them in your lineup every week but like you said investing high draft capital or even middle rounds draft capital on some guy that might get you if you're lucky two touchdowns and 80 yards mm-hmm. at best and you're like "Ooh, that was amazing yeah but then the next four weeks he's under 30 yards you can just cut him for replacement level yes.
0: yeah yeah well cool did you say your creeper yet I did, Duke Johnson, yeah. Duke Johnson. Well, then let's go sleeper. Just because we've been on the Colts a little bit, I was, and it's not a fun enough team to come back to now without Andrew <laughs> Luck. But. It's a little uninteresting. So my sleeper is going to be Jack Doyle, actually. Whoa. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think anybody would. I just think he's solid in a year that tight end's kind of interesting. It's not necessarily bad, and it's not necessarily very good. It's just solid all around. I don't think you draft Jack, Jack Doyle by any means, but don't be surprised if he's a great wit Weak filler, and he even competes with somebody like Austin Hooper this season. Um, he outsnapped when he came back from injury last season. He outsnapped Ebron by 84, so he pretty much was tight end one for this team post injury last season. Um, didn't get the touchdowns Ebron got last season, but I don't think Ebron gets those touchdowns this season he at was all.
1: So unbelievably efficient from touchdowns, there's no way he repeats. Right,
0: I don't think that's happening. And Jack Doyle was already. Um, you know, taking the snaps away from Ebron. So I'm feeling like Jack Doyle is actually going to be tight end one again this season, especially because when you rewind back when Brissett was uh, the quarterback of this team, Jack Doyle um, caught more balls than T.Y. Hilton from J- Jacob Brissett 23 more. So I think wow. we may have a favorite target right there. Maybe he just leans on tight ends and Ebron does value from that, but I kind of like Jack Doyle in this situation. And I think this is definitely going to be with a more, you know, Two-way quarterback, I think tight ends are going to benefit, and I think Jack Doyle may be streaming value um, quarterback for you. Tight end, I like it. Wow, hmm. I see a lot of a lot of accuracy
1: in that. He, he's been a very good tight end when he's been healthy. You hate to he, hear that Paul, if you drafted T.Y.
0: Right. Hilton that Jack Doyle caught 23 more balls than T.Y. Hilton did back when the <laughs> oh, situation existed. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you don't like that. Uh, I'm going to go with a
1: guy <laughs> that's a little brighter future maybe even T.Y. Hilton this season, and I'm going to say that even from a guy that's ranked 77 right now, and that's going to be D.D. D. Westbrook. He's, uh, he had 717 yards last season and five touchdowns with, in my opinion, a clearly worse quarterback. Um, I think he's a clear upgrade this year with Foles adding to this offense. And I think some there are other guys that have some intrigue in the wide receiver core, but this guy really seems to be stepping up as the clear number one. He's number one on the depth chart right now. And I think he played pretty consistently last season when he was given a chance. I think with the less running back depth on Jacksonville this season, along with Fournette's injury history, there's a chance this team turns into a more of a pass-happy team than not. And even if he doesn't, I think there's plenty of balls that'll be going, thrown his way, considering the way it is. And Foles has been historically able to throw to the wide receivers just as much as the tight ends in the past back in Philly. So I really like him. I think he has a solid wide out three season with upside, possibly into low end wide out two, depending on how the Jacksonville offense decides to run.
0: That's interesting. Um, another name, wide receiver wise, to keep a lookout for, I think it's going to be these two guys in Jacksonville one being DD Westbrook, the other being Marquise Lee. I think those two guys, when it comes to receiving the ball down in Jacksonville, Are leaps and bounds above anybody else, especially because Marquise Lee, when he was healthy, um, was looking awesome. So keep an eye on him. I think Nick Foles is going to run a much better offense. It's not that he's a much better passer, but he's a much better game manager than Bortles. So that does prevent more scoring, you know, lead to more scoring for this team. So there is a lot more intrigue with Foles leading this team. Um, With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and do my keeper, so we can stay on Jacksonville. Sure, sure. And literally until a few days ago. Even though I trade, me and you made a trade on the offseason in our keeper league, Keenan Allen for Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was thinking this is more, you know, I only like this because I want to do this trade. And now I'm looking at my team. What How do I want to make a move? Is there any moves before the season? And I took a closer look at Leonard Fournette and I actually read a Bleacher Report article on Leonard Fournette Leonard and it was baller. It was really cool, especially as a Rocky fan. But I was so encouraged by it. It was. It was a very good read. So, Leonard Fournette, just to sum it up for you guys, got so ticked at himself last season because he was like, this is the worst year I've ever had in football. I didn't really care about the season. I just, I hurt, you know, hurt my team. I hurt myself. I, he was so mad at himself, and Coughlin called him lazy and selfish, and after he got off the phone with Coughlin, he called his old LSU strength coach, a guy named, like, Ben, something I can't pronounce, and um, he was like, I need your help. I'm like, you got to help me. He's like, well, I'm not at LSU anymore, you know, so I'm up in Wyoming, and, like, Fournette was like, dude, that's perfect. I need to get away from all these distractions, these bad influences in my life. Like, I'm coming to Wyoming, and we're going to do a Rocky-style training. So he went up into Wyoming, where it was like 20 degrees the whole time. He's doing crawling <laughs> stuff, like Rocky training. Drops his weight from 247 to 228, and he said he's feeling better than he ever has in his life. And he's just going to tear it up this season. So Jacksonville must believe in that, because they did nothing really to, you know, they got a you know I think they drafted another running back but nothing seriously yeah, to, nothing to replace him like the volume will be there and if he's that tick and you know objectively we got to say well he did take a much more serious look on this season so hamstring injury behind him now I am starting to really like Leonard Fournette and all this and I know the you know that bleacher report is one thing but I'd like the stats and I like to see the weight cut down big time. And keeping in mind that this guy is one of the true workhorses of the game when he is healthy, not only is he running in between the tackles effectively, although you can argue effectively, yards per carry is not really there, can he now though, since their passing looks a little bit more legitimate with um, Foles, I think he can be more consistent in between the tackles and keep in mind that he is their pass catching back as well
1: the opportunity is 100% there yeah. and the thing that i like about him more than anything is volume right and if he's going to be if there's any reason to think he's going to be more effective from a, an efficiency standpoint then you start getting looking at him in regards to one of the better volume based running backs from a consistent rb1 that you can get in fo- fantasy football mm-hmm. the main thing is injuries with him but like you said all the reports everything i've heard this entire season from the very beginning of training camp to the end about once a week, I hear something about Fournette talking about how serious he is this year, how he's admitting that he wasn't serious last season about his play, mm-hmm. and him truly admitting and embracing the fact that I need to be better. Mm-hmm. That is encouraging. I'm not 100% sold, because words are words. I'm not sold, but man, you but like you to see be a guy in better. that position
0: approaching the season where you know other people in that position are like holding out and yes. dumb reports that you're hearing from. It's like, yes. to, it's like to see one guy own up and take pride in his profession somewhat after... Not, and punching Buffalo Bills people on the sideline and stuff last season.
1: Yes. And so I couldn't feel better about... Or I feel much better about Fournette right now than I did at the end of last season. Yeah. And there's a chance he really exceeds his draft value this season.
0: We'll see. That's why I got him as a keeper. I don't got him by a sleeper any means. We'll just keep him where he is, and he could turn out dandy for you. Yeah.
1: I'm going to go with a, a very unsurprising thing. I'm not going to get a lot of complaints, but DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver as yeah. my keeper for yeah. Houston, considering... Lamar Miller's injury, mm-hmm. no more Alfred Blue to soak up two-yard carries every yeah. time he gets the ball, Fuller's injury history, and Watson was able to somehow survive getting hit more than any quarterback I've seen since basically David Carr playing here for the mm-hmm. Houston a long time ago. I, I You hate the offensive line. You hate to hear it. But in general, I don't know if there's been a receiver better at dealing with double coverage and being effective than DeAndre Hopkins. I think his ceiling is so high in general, and his ability to catch the ball down the field and underneath, being physical, I think I have to consider him a keeper in the first round, and he arguably is the best receiver in the draft. I think I, I have him there as well. It's close between Adams as well, Devontae Adams. for. Adams Rogers. is my
0: guy, but I wouldn't have an argument against anybody that picks Hopkins. yeah.
1: And so, in my opinion, I see more volume from a passing standpoint this season With unless they get another Jay Ajayi-level running back that allows them to try to balance with some power. I, I just think if Duke Johnson's on the field, we're not seeing any more things go to him than we are to DeAndre Hopkins. And the fact that they did try to make improvements with their offensive line, adding a few new pieces, there's a chance it plays a little better than what the ranking is, but pro football focus has him at 31. So it doesn't get much worse than that, even with the acquisitions yeah. being included. But basically, it can't be worse. I mean, last year, it, it was horrible. But Fuller is healthy this year, which should take a little more pressure off him. But they should be throwing nonstop. And if there's going to be a person to benefit from him, it's Hop. Yep. So I have him as my keeper in this division for the AFC South. He's probably my favorite player of anybody in this
0: division. Right on. Well, let's move on to the AFC West. All right. You want to start with sleepers, since we haven't done that yet? Sure. All right, then. Go for it. So
1: this is the guy that i've looked at consistently as the most underrated person from middle summer till now and that's philip lindsey he's ranked at right now 58 um, and he was the 12th running back overall last season with royce freeman on the team mind you and he won the job so hard with his 5.4 yards per carry which was third in the league he had nine touchdowns so he wasn't even being vultured consistently from royce freeman last year i just don't understand why he's ranked so low and I mean, a lot, Some drafts have them even even later, around like seventy eight, and they have Royce Freeman at like eighty six. So you're you're saying they're only ten picks apart? But Philip Lindsay was the one with all the success last season. I just I, I understand that there's reports saying that it's going to be more of a timeshare, and the the carries are going to be split. But how are they that close based on the success of both people? Like in general, we had Dion Lewis with a bunch of carries last season, mm-hmm. and then we had Derrick Henry with a bunch of carries last season. It seems like a stylistic similar thing, except the success levels are relatively similar. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd say Royce Freeman's way better than
0: Deion Deion Lewis, Lewis,
1: but I think Philip Lindsay was just too effective last season to be rated as low as he is. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he ends up putting up similar numbers to last season and you get another running back one, or at least very close to it, so... I just think he's way too low at fifty-eight. I liked everything I saw from last year, and they're definitely a run-first team.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting backfield. I, I, I there isn't a Thielen Diggs running back committee that you'll ever see. There isn't two people that finish that high, and wow, that committee was so great. Both people are RB twos, RB ones. Never happens. Right. Um, committee approach: one guy always wins, in my opinion. And my money is on Philip Lindsay. With you, I agree with that. That just doesn't make any sense. That. What, that would be a really confusing backfield. Royce Freeman's drafted, undrafted free agent comes in, blows him away, undrafted free agent then next season is sat behind him and Royce Freeman takes over all of a sudden. I don't dig it. I could see it happening because they did like Royce Freeman enough to go get him. Sure. I mean, he's got talent. It's just Philip Lindsay until he doesn't prove and he was getting team one snaps in the preseason. So we'll see. I don't know. I, just... I agree with you
1: it's weird I just look at him and it's like if you really think that Royce Freeman's taking away carries shouldn't Lindsay not drop so much in stock but as does Royce Freeman go up you just go up so like yeah, I don't know that's how I see it I mean maybe I'm wrong but I think Lindsay should be around 30 and then Royce Freeman should be around 50, 60, 70 if, if that's really what you think is happening so to me I,
0: I, I don't get the Lindsay hate yeah well, I'll stick with the running back for you, kind of in the same neighborhood of ADP, and that's going to be Austin Eckler at 70-ish, you know, in these drafts, so he should split carries with Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson looks to be one of their primary back carry guys when uh, Melvin Gordon is out during times last season, but Eckler's still going to get his carries, and he's definitely going to get his passes, so um, his receptions, so... I think he got seven to fourteen touches while Gordon was healthy last season per game, and that number should only go up. I think Eckler's the back to own here. I do like Justin Jackson. I'm not saying don't own him as well. I think they're both sleepers really in that regard, but I think Eckler's the guy that really benefits. And things are just not looking Gordon, good for Gordon this season, and especially no. at the roar to the the stance today, which I actually like by the Chargers. Like, look, I'm done dealing with this. You know. You can sit out all season, or you can play, but we're done talking about it. And congratulations, now your contract's going to roll over next year where you got the same exact deal. Way to handle this. So, I mean, maybe Gordon gets a contract <laughs> and he starts playing in the middle of the season, but it's not sounding good right now for these teams. I mean, probably Gordon's traded, which I don't think there's going to be a... I don't know. I, I don't know how that ends up. But right now, yeah. Eckler's the guy that you need to own because that offense is still prolific. It is really good. I mean, Rivers has always been consistent there. The, the
1: weapons are still definitely there. Hunter Henry being back helps. And mm-hmm. Eckler will get a piece of that because yeah. they're going to be throwing, and he'll be on the field when they're doing that.
0: Absolutely. That's what I got for Sleeper. What do you want to do next, Keeper or the Creeper?
1: I'm kind of feeling Creeper. Let's do it. And it's kind of because I have a multi-phase thing here, and it's kind of related to Sleeper as well. And so my creeper is going to be LaShawn McCoy. Um, he was picked up by Kansas City, which is an upgrade in value from Buffalo. Straight up, 100%, no question. Right now, he's ranked at 102. And this is like today, so this could be changing a little bit. But if you have drafts right now, I think that came out of nowhere that he's moved up to 102, which is, I guess, defensible that he's at 102 as much. But because he's going to a team like, he's, like you mentioned earlier when you were mentioned this to me that this happened, and I looked into this some more. I mean, he's going back with Andy Reid, who he mm-hmm. had a lot of his success with. But he's—I thought Damian Williams was such a good player last year for the Chiefs. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry, and it had a strong finish last season. But Damian Williams's draft value, when this news came out, dropped him so much. He went from, from what I can remember, around a 42 overall pick in the draft is about where you even seen in him. up in the twenties and. Even worse. And then now he's at 82. He fell 60 picks because the acquisition of Lashawn McCoy. That blows me away. I mean, I think Damian Williams still owns the starting job, even when Lashawn McCoy dresses up. And so he had 3.2 yards per carry last season, which is so far below his career average that I don't understand how people could look at him and think he's definitely as explosive as he used to be. I understand Buffalo has a lot to do with that, but also his age doesn't help either. He's almost near the running back cliff for age, and he's played a long time, had a lot of carries this season. So to me, I think Damian Williams needs to be moved back up in the drafts. I thought he was way too high at 26, but 82 is way too low as well.
0: Yeah, enjoy him there.
1: So LaShawn McCoy at 102, I think, is also a little too high. I would rather have him at like 120. But if you draft him at 102, mostly just understand that he's probably not the guy that's going to be starting in my mind.
0: Yeah, Uh, I agree with you. He do, he does have an interesting position though because if Damian Williams start to falter at all and McCoy gets it reads a, uh, offense back underneath his belt, there's a lot of points to be had in Kansas City. Yeah, he may be the favorite to get the goal line stuff. It's interesting, but I agree with you. I don't. He doesn't go there, and I all of a sudden really like him. I still see him as a, you know, you know Byron Leftwich is an offensive coordinator now. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He shouldn't be that far behind him in age, so. <laughs> Probably not. Actually, He's McCoy's best is behind him for sure. Yeah. Well, then my creeper will stay with Kansas City, and it's Pat Mahomes, and that's easy for Whoa. me. Yeah. And easy for you? Absolutely, it is. Really? Regression is inedible, and true. The last time a QB one is repeated and successful in su- succession, you know, between two seasons, is all the way back in 2003 and 2004 at Dante Culpepper. They never repeat the his touchdown ratio was insane last season yes. um completely unsustainable um going up in the 40s that's way too high projections from a guy named Sean Corner which are really interesting to listen to on his podcast um very legit stuff very convincing and he hasn't met fewer uh, 14 fewer touchdowns than last season and this is a year where there's so many quarterbacks all over the place it's just crazy to take Pat Mahomes this high, in my opinion. So, if you want a guy that, if you want to go against stats and say that, you know, back 15 seasons ago, when the last time a QB one repeated, Pat Mahomes is going to do it now. Go ahead and do it, and I'll just keep enjoying taking the running backs from you.
1: That blows my mind. I mean, I have Patrick Mahomes as a keeper just because I think he's the best quarterback in the game. I completely agree with you on the strategy of drafting a quarterback early this year is difficult to warrant. And so I think he's maybe the only one that's worth drafting over everyone else. And it's maybe not because he will put up the season he did last year. But I think even with regression, that puts him up in the top one, two, or three at quarterbacks this season. So to me, I'm definitely willing to draft him um, high in the drafts. Maybe, like you said, maybe not 47. I'm not going to go any higher than that for sure in my drafts. But if you can get him around 60, like 55, I feel like you can warrant that, uh, all things considered. But if you miss him, I'm not looking at any of the other quarterbacks and taking him anywhere near. A lot of the drafts are having even Watson move up closer to Mahomes up earlier in the draft, which I think is criminal. Why would you ever do that? I'm telling you this year... Rodgers moving up that high?
0: Deshaun Watson, if he listens to our podcast after, you know, the tumultuous things that we put him under and said about him (laughs) in the first season... um, He's got to love Pat Mahomes because now Pat Mahomes, I, I'm I'm digging the guy that gets Deshaun Watson a round or two later more than I am Pat Mahomes. I could I could easily see Deshaun Watson putting up a better fantasy year than Pat Mahomes this year. Bold statements. Absolutely. Somebody's got to be QB1, and yeah. stats tell us, history tells us, probably not going to be Pat Mahomes because they don't repeat. I guess.
1: I don't know. If there's a guy that's going to do it, I'm looking at Mahomes and saying, yep. But Watson, I agree with you. I mean, I guess with his rushing, too, that helps his value a lot, and they're going to throw a ton in Houston this season. Absolutely. So, I mean, maybe volume's enough, even with the interceptions and sacks, if he stays healthy.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Um, So he was your keeper. So you did your keeper. Yep. Did you do your creeper? Yep, I'm all done. I'll do my keeper then. And I'm going to stick with the Chargers for the offensive putout because I think they have a great offense still and even better than last season. And my keeper's actually going to be Mike Williams at around 60 um, okay yeah I think yeah, that, yeah, I think that's so solid. With Tyrell Williams out and Mike Williams getting the show at wide receiver too. I know Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry is back, but when you look at catches, the the tight end really steals catches from the running back and vice versa. The running back and tight end kind of have a diverse um, direct relationship with who gets the receptions there. not so much stealing from the wide receiver as much, so I don't think that helps hurts Mike Williams as much as Tyrell Le- Williams leaving helps Mike Williams. So, another Williams is off the field. So, you know, only one Williams in the back of the jersey to help out Rivers to figure out who he's throwing it to.
1: (laughs) It could only help.
0: (laughs) He's a round lower than Godwin. When you compare the Chargers offense to the Buccaneers offense, it's very similar. Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, the clear number ones. O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, clear tight ends. Um, And then who's the clear wide receiver twos? Mike Williams, Chris Godwin. Who's more talented? I think Mike Williams is for sure as a wide receiver. When it comes to being a wide receiver, and who's the more consistent, more trusted quarterback, Philip Rivers or Jameis Winston? Philip Rivers. Mike Williams is set up here. He's being a little bit undervalued, especially because Mike Williams has a better red zone pedigree than uh, Chris Godwin. And I'm just using it as a comparison because the round difference. So mm-hmm. you're looking at people around there too Calvin Ridley, all these other wide receiver twos. Mike Williams is set up this year. I mean, maybe next season we're looking at Calvin Ridley for sure as Julio Jones starts to take the um, Roddy White kind of stance as, you know, Calvin Ridley kind of, I think, usurps him in that offense slowly. Mike Williams right now, though, has got his role. I think he's going to be in that red zone and effective. Hunter Henry's going to have a good season, but watch out for Mike Williams in this San Diego Diego offense. It's not going to miss a beat losing Melvin Gordon. I feel
1: you. Right on. I think I agree with everything you said, even the bonus information about people, which you'll probably hear later in this podcast.
0: How about it? All right, all right, John. NFC East time. We'll go to the NFC where we start. And like again, it. this is a special. This is a little bit longer than most of the stuff we're doing, but we're covering a ton of stuff, a ton of teams.
1: And hopefully, giving as much side information on other people we don't we don't talk about, because everyone's information is valid, especially when you run into them later in the drafts.
0: Absolutely, not a boring moment in this podcast. We're talking about a lot of names. So nfc east my friend let's go you you start us off
1: i'm starting with the keeper of keepers saquon barkley new york giants running back seems like the most exciting running back to watch in the league he's a little more freestyle he likes to bounce things out he's fast he can catch the ball out of the backfield poor offensive line was a huge concern for him last season but they picked up zeitler and soldier this last offseason which really brings up their offensive line rating a lot Oh. No OBJ
0: does hurt a little bit with... They had Solder last season. Oh, did they? Yeah. I'm all, I think I'm, I'm pretty dang positive. You might be right. But
1: either way, the Zeitler mm-hmm. improvement helps quite a lot for a little bit of a guard, especially in in the run game there. Hopefully they'll be better um, from the, the offensive line standpoint. I think they will. Um, no OBJ hurts them quite a lot with the stack boxes, um, being able to... Sp- sp- it out a little bit more but he was one of the best people running in an eight man front pretty much all of last year anyway and basically anytime he struggled with the rushing he was able to survive in the passing game and make himself worthwhile as still a running back one he's a true three down back and i don't really see enough red flags to warrant concern i really like him a lot i think he's a
0: beast and i'm gonna go ahead and just talk about saquon barkley as well because he's my creeper creeper absolutely i'm not saying he's a second round pick but I'm saying, when you look at the top-tier guys, he just isn't it for me. And it's because, yeah, he did run well against a stacked box last season. Can he repeat it this season? It got uglier. I think the line looks a little bit better, and I believe that the game is won in the trenches. But the game's also won in common sense. So now, OBJ's gone. The You got Evan Ingram, who I've already mentioned. If Evan Ingram's going to take over the you know pass catching on this offense, I do believe there is a good correlation between tight ends receiving the ball, running backs receiving the ball. It doesn't really help that Evan Ingram's going to be the main target for this team, especially because you can still load up the box and guard a tight end. I, I don't like it as much, and I'm only saying it's a creeper because there's no threat other than Saquon Barkley. People are going to stack the boxes, and when you look at the top people, which if you have the pick, number one pick in the draft, we're looking at Barkley, I think... Both Kamara and McCaffrey are more solid this season scoring-wise than Barkley, and it's just because it's the same old story with the Giants without OBJ, with even more questions at quarterback, and easily the Giants are way worse offense, way worse offense than the Panthers and the Saints, and I think you not taking Kamara, I think Kamara number one is, is the ticket, the golden ticket, getting it to see Willy Wonka, without a doubt, this season. It'd be hard for me to make a really strong argument, because I like all three of them a lot, so... And that's the only reason I'm saying he's a creeper. Uh, do I think he's better than even David Johnson, who I have at four right there? Yes. But I'm saying it is so important to pick number one to get you that guy. And I think yeah. Kamara is so much more safe on a team that's going to score so many more points. They have better offensive line.
1: They have a better quarterback. They have a better receiver to help balance out and the And now offense. they don't have Ingram. Yeah. More, more. Balls. They got more. Latavius, who I do like. I like, but
0: it just keeps the offense functioning the way it did last season, where and, Kamara was a beast, and makes Kamara's role a little bit more. And then McCaffrey, the Panthers are just better, and I just think McCaffrey's just set up better.
1: I can't I, come I up can. with as much as I don't like McCaffrey as a <laughs> prototype when I when I draw up a running back to be drafting that high. Mm-hmm. I couldn't come up with one reasonable
0: way to say he's not awesome this mm-hmm. season at where he's rate, rated. That's the only reason. I'm not saying he's a you know number eleven person, but mm-hmm. it isn't. I just don't dig it as much. And I could also see other running backs outperforming him. I don't think it's as likely, but I do think there's a chance just because how stacked it is. He he did a miracle last season. Yeah, it, it, it
1: felt like a miracle watching
0: him. And now there's no decoys on the field. Literally, he will move the ball, or the Giants will punt the ball.
1: Yeah, at least until Golden Tate gets out there where they actually have a couple of people that have historically
0: caught some balls, See, and that's it's, another it's thing. different. I don't even want to take away much more time because I know we're trying to get this podcast out there with meaningful stuff. I don't like Sterling Shepard at all this season because when Golden Tate's on the field, Sterling Shepard will no longer be in the slot. You look at his numbers when he's not in the slot, garbage. Absolutely. He, much like Nelson Aguilar, you take him out of the slot, might as well not have him on the field. doesn't produce. <laughs> Golden Tate will be in the slot. So that kind of hurts both those people because you don't want a Golden Tate because I don't think even when he's playing in the slot with Eli Manning or whoever, I don't think he's going to produce worth a draft pick. And then when you take Sterling, because he's missing four weeks, and then even when he's back, I don't know if it's that good. And you take Sterling Shepard where he's at right now, you get four weeks of high volume, but then he's out of the, out of the slot. It's not going to work well. So just hold on there. I wouldn't draft him either, but whatever. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, All, all right. right, let's move on from the Giants. We talked about the only person worthwhile. <laughs> I will agree. He's on a whole new tier. Um. I'll
1: add uh, my creeper then. Let's go with my creeper. Do it. Just to keep it all even. So oh, I'll, and then I'll go keeper after that. Yeah, I'll go uh, Dak Prescott. Um, quarterback ranked r- 90 right now. And in this incredibly deep quarterback class, he seems like a guy that isn't as well-rounded as a two-way threat as what people might think. Um, only He only had five games last season, over 250 yards passing, which isn't a lot. He only had two games with three touchdowns or more, and only four games where he rushed for over 30 yards. The key with him is he had six rushing touchdowns, which to me that seems a little bit fluky. I mean, he's, he is more apt to get six rushing touchdowns than a lot of other people. Like, he does scramble, but I don't think he's as good at it as other people think. So considering his draft values up in the top 10 rounds, I feel like that's way too much for a guy that doesn't have a lot of upside. If he's only really had a couple of games where he's thrown for a lot of yards and a couple of games where he th- ran for a lot of yards, uh, and I mean, a lot's a little aggressive to say 30 yards is a lot <laughs> at quarterback. I feel like Aaron Rodgers had a couple of games over 30 yards and no one looks at him as a scrambler. So I don't know. Ezekiel Elliott's going to steal some of those rushing touchdowns this year for sure, Um that's going to be their primary goal when they get down to that area. I think he's a fine streaming quarterback. But considering he's rated well above people like Roethlisberger, Breeze, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, and Phillip Rivers, along with Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, who both were going to be better rushers than him this season, if you're really into the rushers being the key way, that seems really aggressive. I, I would definitely put him in there somewhere with the rest of those guys and not like 30 picks higher or more. Uh, I think you drop him at least three or four rounds, if not seven. I think Kirk Cousins will probably be better than him this season.
0: I'm not disagreeing with anything you said, but I am I would take Dak Prescott over Lamar Jackson this season, but that's me.
1: I really don't like Lamar Jackson. I think that's, but, but Or Kyler Murray, for that matter. But I, I, yeah,
0: I, I'd take Dak Prescott before both those guys. Yes. The big person you can get around there, who I think is going to run away this season, as a fantasy quarterback, I don't think he's necessarily going to, is Jameis Winston. I just think he is set up, have a beautiful fantasy season. And he's back there around 90. Um, I love me some Jameis Winston this season. Not really, not Aaron's comes and fix everything. Aaron's comes and helps a lot, but they also got a very cakey schedule uh, when it comes to pass defenses. So, buckle in and enjoy the touchdowns. So, anyways, creeper then for me, I'm going to go Zach Ertz, and I'm not going to explain much. I think Wince is back. People are saying, "Oh no, they brought in Deshaun Jackson." Don't no, please, yeah. Don't. More and then, but there's Dallas Goddard. <laughs> are you kidding me? That it's nice to have Dallas Goddard, but Zach Ertz is literally Wentz's, I think, favorite man in the world. So yes, have fun. Zach Ertz is the guy. Don't even come at me with Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, and Aguilar gets hurt, or not Al um, Alshon
1: Jeffrey gets hurt all the time, yeah. and um, I mean Agler is okay, but like Ertz is the weapon in this yeah. offense. Let's be very clear. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Okay. I'll go to uh, my sleeper, and that's going to be Miles Sanders from Philadelphia. Um, There is risk here. He's a little unknown. um, But he's ranked 63. And considering this is the number one offensive line according to Pro Football Focus, and Clement and Howard both rushed for under four yards per carry last season, even though Howard had incredible volume and Clement already had a chance at this job before, And Sproles is only going to be utilized in passing downs at this point in his career. To me, Miles Sanders had a chance to run away with first and second down carries and maybe even getting involved in some of the third down carries. Um, He's the young athletic guy with a little bit more of the upside. And I think he has legitimate running back two upside if he starts strong this season and and Howard doesn't cut too far into his carries, which is a slight possibility. But overall, I think I'd take him higher than
0: 63 and feel pretty good about it. Maybe, but we always talk about how this is the game of opportunity, and you hate to hear all that clogging the opportunity. Adams. All these Brando people. It's like, what are you doing? Do you need that many running backs? <laughs> you wouldn't think so. <laughs> that are <laughs> not, just not like what mad tier. Like thin. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, there's another C-plus tier running back. We need to bring him into our team. <laughs> We're dressing eight of them, I know, but if we get 9 we it'll be good. <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, okay. do I don't know. Jordan Howard does have some intrigue. If he doesn't, I mean, the years before last, he just did not fit that offense last season. At all. If he reverts back to the Howard that was really good at running in between the tackles, maybe hard to usurp him kind of in that offense. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to watch that Eagles offense.
1: I think they're going to be a great running team from a team rushing yard standpoint. The question will be who wins the job. My money's on Sanders, but I mean you can make an argument for Howard. Yeah. I think Clement and Sproles and Adams are all a little bit teared down on that. And Smallwood and <laughs> so many
0: people. Surprised they didn't bring in McCoy. But um <laughs> Yeah. So you said that you're for sure Zeke Elliott's gonna steal some of those touchdowns from Dak, but I'm not so sure because I'm not sure that Zeke doesn't hold out for an extended period of time this season. So my sleeper's oh, really? gonna be Tony Pollard. Because the reports are much better than for Melvin Gordon, but at the same time, they say there's so much ground to cover. Week one's this week, guys. So if you're drafting Zeke, you have to draft Tony Pollard. Could not agree more. Excellent point. You have to do that. And then if somebody isn't taking Tony Pollard, don't just wait for the guy that has Zeke to take Tony Pollard. Go ahead and take him. I wish I would have done it a little bit more aggressively, probably, in my leagues. Because he gets that spot. He's not... You know, he doesn't profile so much as the three-down back. But they are treating him that way. While Zeke's been sitting out, he has gotten every first-team snap for running back. So they're thinking he's taking everything. And I think that's why Dak's up there a little bit is because if Zeke sits out, I think there's going to be a little bit more like goal-line opportunities for him getting rushing touchdowns. It's a little bit interesting. I'm not disagreeing with you about that Dak. But I'm saying Tony Pollard, the 144 around there, things aren't sounding good in the camp with Zeke. So... If you did if you got Zeke and you didn't draft Honey Pollard, that was a that was a boo boo. I
1: think it's just a very risky move to assume it,
0: that he's definitely
1: going to get the the job and yeah. play week 1 even though like, all the reports are like I don't know for sure. Take the insurance policy. Right.
0: It's cheap. And have you looked at your guy Zeke because not the most readable guy. <laughs> True. Very questionable, dude. So, very questionable. <laughs> Tony Pollard could really, really pay dividends at 144. I do Definitely agree. taking Tony Pollard before I'm taking Lashawn McCoy at 102. Arguably any handcuff yeah. at this point. He's on a handcuff right now. He's the guy. Yeah. Why didn't I take him higher? I don't know. I can't come up with an I wish I would have.
1: I went with Henderson from the Rams instead of going with a guy that could have actually played week one for sure. I don't know. Yeah. It's all right. What are you going to do? Cool.
0: Cool. We're good there. Yeah. West or south? I'm feeling south. Going south again. I like it. Staying south. Well, then, I'm just going to start this one, and I'm going to say my keeper is Alvin Kamara. And you go. <laughs> <laughs> I got I'm not... I don't get it. There's no need in explaining that. Yeah, he's, he's excellent. Okay.
1: Especially in PPR leagues, he's probably the best number one pick, period.
0: In standard, I'm taking him. In it standard, don't even really matter.
1: In standard, he's there. In PPR, he's a guarantee, yeah. I think. Um, I'm gonna go with Michael Thomas. New Orleans wide receiver, stay on the same team. Uh, First in catches last season, 125, 1,405 yards, nine touchdowns, consistent with the quarterback, proven downfield weapon in the passing game. Only Alvin Kamara looks like he has any spot guaranteed to him in this offense. Um, If you're worried about Cook, I think you're worried about the wrong people. So I think he's a guy that is as safe as they come. And if you can get him early on in the second round, or even in the end of the first, if you don't like individual players near that, I don't think that's bad at all. I don't
0: think you're going to be burned on him, period. Cool. I don't think there's much to elaborate there. I love Michael Thomas. Good. Perfect. However, we probably have different different sleepers and creepers. Where do you want to go next in this journey? Oh, uh, let's go sleeper. All right. Is that because you really got somebody you want to talk about? Kind of. But it. you should go first. So let's keep the pattern going. All right. Uh, my sleeper, Curtis Samuel. And that's because... Yeah. He's at 82, DJ Moore's at 57, and I'm thinking that Curtis Samuel has a better season than DJ Moore. And that's my only argument. Not that I really like Curtis Samuel, but it doesn't make any sense to draft him behind DJ Moore. Why do I think that? Because last season, while they are both on the field after DJ Moore was elected starter, um, Curtis Samuel led the target share and had more consistent production than DJ Moore. DJ Moore's going to be drawing cornerback one coverage. Um, And Curtis Samuel's used all around the field. Slot, outside, and maybe even some rushes this season. So uh, it just makes more sense if you want a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers to wait an extra round and get Samuel instead of going after DJ Moore. Although DJ Moore's got great talent. Don't like him as a wide receiver one in this offense.
1: Sure. I like them both. And I think Samuel is the better value, so I agree with that. Cool. Um, I'm going to go with Ridley, Calvin Ridley. So I don't think you're going to disagree with me too much based on (laughs) what you were talking about before. I just look at Atlanta and I see no Tevin Coleman, injury-prone Freeman, second year in the league. Rookie receivers usually struggle. But even when he struggled, he had 10 touchdowns and 821 yards last year. It was just all bundled together. Like he had huge games and then he would disappear for a bit. So I think... What you see from people developing in the league is more consistency. Yeah. So being a number two receiver in this offense, I think what I'm saying with Tevin Coleman and Freeman injury prone means that they're going to be heading much more to a pass style offense to help make sure that Freeman stays healthy. Because E.O. Smith is not going to be a guy that balances the offense very well if those guys get hurt. Yeah. So I think we're seeing more passing this season from Atlanta. And I could see a really true argument that he could be in the tier with Cooks and Diggs because he has that much talent. Um, and Julio is a is clearly the wide out one, I think, still. But I think this is the season where it becomes a debate next season on who is the true wide out one. In that's soccer. what I'm saying. The Roddy
0: White kind of transition. Exactly. Um, yeah, I agree with you because he's got something Chris Godwin no longer has, and that's Dirt Ketter out there in Atlanta. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really going to benefit from that. Hopefully, Devonta Freeman doesn't have the kind of season he had with Dirt Ketter a couple years ago. So Hopefully, he Yeah, we'll see. Then we'll move on to Creeper, and the reason why it's just a whole bunch of Carolina talk for me, (laughs) I wouldn't really take Curtis Amy, although I like him more than DJ Moore, and that's only because I don't like the quarterback of uh, Carolina really at all anymore, Um, probably taking Dak Prescott over Cam Newton now, Um, you tell me Newton has never been able to throw, it looks so pitiful with some of his misses. Now he has off-season sh- shoulder surgery. Oh, and also, one of the things you like about him is that he's really good at running the ball. Mid-foot sprain in the last preseason game he plays in, and you know it's questionable Rivera saying, oh, he's definitely going to play, but we saw Russell Wilson also say, oh, he's definitely going to play, but he's lower body injury. and Rushes are already on the decline. Just look at the stats. Cam is running less and less and less. Russell, he's a, he's a few year, couple years behind Russell. Russell lower body injury, running less and less and less. He's becoming pretty much a one-dimensional quarterback now, just scrambling to save his life. Um, and you got to hate that Cam Dutton was the third worst d- deep ball thrower in the league last year. Um, he <laughs> can't throw the ball downfield. You like what he has? Big targets to hit. Greg Olson's the only one he's got, and he's as old as, uh, as they know, come in the NFL. As old as they come in the NFL now. Curtis Samuels, five eleven. D.J. Moore's not any taller. <laughs> There's not many targets for Cam Newton to hit because he needs a a giant. Yeah, you're going to need accuracy, and that is the thing
1: he's proven he hasn't had. I also agree, Cam Newton's not as exciting as he used to be. I think his MVPs are super-duper behind him. Mm My creeper is going to be Chris Godwin, uh, Tampa Bay wide receiver, 48 rank. Um, He played pretty well last season, but Cutter basically just threw every play the whole whole last season. Um, It gave pretty much everyone very great numbers from a fantasy standpoint, and almost everyone got theirs. So I understand that there is a counter-argument to this, that there is more receptions to go around in this offense for Godwin this year. With no Humphreys, no Deshaun Jackson, and Brake kind of looked like he was getting phased out of the offense last year. And O.J. Howard really seemed to take over. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion... Godwin has the ability to succeed, but I don't know if I like him as much from a talent standpoint from the way he played last season. I think O.J. Howard and Mike Evans are the ones that benefit the most. Arians is better at running a more balanced style offense. He's he's the one that's much better at running a team. Yes. And so, I, I don't know. He had three games over 80 yards last year, period, even with all the yards that were being thrown. and. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I just think, in general, that he's high. a little bit overrated. He is definitely a guy that I'd be interested in as a wideout, too. Um, but I w- he's more of those the one I would wait longer to get later in the draft and hope he's still around. I, don't, I wouldn't target him, and I think he's being slightly overrated. I think
0: Calvin Ridley should be drafted higher than Chris Godwin. For sure. I and agree. then I think Mike Williams as well. And I think all those guys are like the same person, kind of. Yeah. With Calvin Ridley being the A grade, Mike mm-hmm. Williams being B, and Godwin being C,
1: I agree with that. Like they're all guys that are getting opportunity and they're growing as receivers, getting later on in their careers, which is where you start to see a lot of these guys break out. Mm-hmm. It to me, it seems like three years is when you see these young first round pick cor- or wide receivers that aren't like Calvin Johnson, Julio, AJ right. Green, amazing phenom level. They usually don't guys. start out.
0: Which Godwin for rookie year last year was good solid Eight wonderful for, for him 842
1: like and 7 touchdowns is great Yeah, um, so there's real potential there but yeah I agree I don't think there's much difference between a lot of those other guys and you're taking them higher So, yeah.
0: but, but you- then there's a big difference between Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams Chris Godwin then other people that are in that same tier of young people like DJ Moore and Michael Gallup that I just don't have any intrigue in as much I agree then we got the West to do and then you've gotten the special and you're all ready for your last drafts and maybe some trades cuz you're like, "Oh, that's a really good point. I going to see if I can trade that guy for, you know." Okay. Yeah, so, especially
1: right after the draft, sometimes people get people that they're not that excited about. Yeah. You make a pick and you just grind your teeth cuz you're like, "Why would I click on that guy yeah. right
0: here? What if this I done? was the plan before the draft?" All right, the NFC West. You want me to start? Sure. I'm going to go with my creeper, and I bet you're going to
1: disagree. But it sounds like I'm going to have the same exact argument that you had with Saquon Barkley, and that's going to be David Johnson. Um, he's ranked at 5. He's an incredible talent. And he, if the supporting cast was a little better, I would feel like he could easily be the running back 1 this season in fantasy football. But the bad offensive line at 30th for Arizona, new rookie quarterback, poor receiving core, I think it just basically gives him a very high floor because he's going to be the way this offense moves this season, but also his ceiling is a little bit hurt. And I th- I, don't, I look at the argument that Mixon is a guy that is an exceptional talent on a team that has a bad offensive line, except obviously he doesn't get the receiving catches the way that Johnson does in the passing game. But Mixon's rated at 18 versus Johnson at five. And so to me, I think they're closer than what the rankings kind of look like. I think I see David Johnson as a high second round pick low end first round pick rather than a middle first round pick so i'm only cut i'm cutting hairs here like splitting hairs but i just don't quite like him as much i think i'd rather even go with a guy like Le'Veon bell around there at five over david johnson but yeah yeah if you take him his floor is so dang high you're never going to ruin your draft by taking this guy even if it is in the first round
0: Yep, you knew we would disagree on that one, so he's actually my keeper, and we'll go ahead and get that out of the way, and that's because the offense is him, and the offense runs through him, however, it is not like the Giants. It's a much better offense than the Giants, and this whole thing is going to go through him, and you've got to love the coaching change. They brought in a coach very past-minded, which they need to really have this team succeed. I like the bringing in the college guy, having that mind has worked out for other young coaches, um, through 65% of the time in his career, and he loves the line. His After, you know, in motion, lines his running backs up in the slot where David Johnson's just so effective, and that's going to happen again. There's no comparison to him and Mixon on who catches more catches. There's no really catching in the... you got Kamara, you got maybe Barkley this year, but I don't think there's going to be as much slot as even David Johnson's going to get. McCaffrey will probably catch more, but David Johnson is on a whole new tier than... Mixon and even Bell when it comes to receiving the ball this year, I think, just because Gase's offense is just Gase's offense. Um I like the intrigue here. There's going to be a lot more red zone scoring this season and David Johnson is just going to benefit so much from that. He's he's going to have a really good bounce back season. I have so much faith in him. He's got a lot left in those legs. So uh, I he did what he did last season, which was a it was a bummer, but it was also a horrible offense and just horribly ran team. Now you bring in this new guy, um, receiving isn't as near as bad as it is with the Giants. you got the young Christian Kirk, and you got Larry Fitzgerald still, so I'm going to go ahead and transition to my sleeper as well, who's Larry Fitzgerald at 105. Hmm. Absolutely crazy. Um, he's only one year removed from being the top 10 wide receiver at 36. I don't know if he can repeat. I doubt it. Not banking on that. But you're talking about a guy that still managed 69 targets last season and one of the worst called offenses I've ever seen. (laughs) Truly. Um, Everybody around the league agrees with it. His target and his floor is so high, and it's not like he's on the decline. Well, I mean, he's on the decline. Father Time's going to win eventually. But for a guy that keeps his body in such good shape, and everybody loves to talk about his diet and how he's always trained himself to the top, I mean, he's still got the targets last season. He's still going to be in the slot this season. And Larry Fitzgerald with Kyler Murray, who's already kind of connecting, they say, a lot in preseason, I think it translates to the field this year, and this whole team is going to be rejuvenated under the new coach, and I think this offense fits what Arizona needs to do to have a good offense this season so perfectly that I hope it pans out, because there will be a lot of fantasy points to be had in Arizona in comparison to last season.
1: I agree with everything around the surrounding information, yeah. I think their offense will definitely be better. Um, they have way more talent to keep an eye on. Like Kyler Murray is way more intriguing than Rosen would ever dream of being last season. David Johnson will be a beneficiary of that, and also Larry Fitzgerald will receive more passes in space instead of just getting capitalized and mm-hmm. teed on. No interest in there, and there was no way to s- spread the field downfield um, and make the get, create space for them. So I would agree with that. Um, My sleeper is going to be Tevin Coleman, though. San Francisco rookie running Mm -hmm. back, or not rookie, San Francisco (laughs) running back ranked at 62. Um, He's played with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta extensively, and they were very good there when he was running that offense. Mm -hmm. Um, Jarek McKinnon injury in this preseason really opens up more opportunity for him to take over, where he might even become a three down back. Um, and Mostert were like pretty competitive last season in this San Francisco offense, but I think Tevin Coleman's certainly on a different level of consistency and trust as well as probably uh, just general talent. Yeah. Um, I think he runs away with this job and this offense has more upside than people probably give them credit for. Last season, this offense worked well under Kyle Shanahan, even with being hit by a train of injuries. I've never seen a team get blown away like that garoppolo mckinnon most of the receivers were hurt at least at some point during the season Mm -hmm. they were down to like their last guy Breida, and he's dressed in questionable and playing on bad hamstrings Mm -hmm. and still somehow finding a way to be effective right this year we have almost all of them healthy except for mckinnon so kittle's amazing in this offense to add another threat to open up some of that space i just think tevin coleman is a very high floor guy for being at 62 in this draft yeah um, and I like San Francisco's offense more than most people do. So i gotta got to mention him. Give him a shout-out. He's one of my favorite middle-round running backs.
0: I like Tevin Coleman a lot. Absolutely. I do like Breida now, too, that Jerick McKinnon's done for the year. I think Breda does provide some value. Because although Shanahan does love Tevin Coleman, he did love... He was the only guy that can make a committee work where, you know, I talked about earlier, Thielen and Diggs. Freeman and Coleman does kind of qualify there. They're both guys you want to address. So I do think breda has got some intrigue, too. But sure. I love Coleman.
1: He had a really good yards per carry last year, too. He was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, he's super quick.
0: Well, this gets us down to our last category of people.
1: <sighs> the final keepers of the NFC. Or I guess it was my keeper, I should say, for the NFC
0: West. Final creeper. We're reversed since we both talked oh, about we're reversed David Johnson. Oh, okay. Hey. You want to go first you want me to go first?
1: Uh, how
0: about you get the creeper out so I can end on a high note with the keeper? All right, let's do it. Uh-oh, I wonder if you got a... I wonder if he's the same person though. Could easily be. Ooh,
1: That'd be interesting.
0: My creeper is going to be Chris Carson. Nope. Okay.
1: But I, I agree with you on that. Twenty mm-hmm. four. It's overall.
0: Insane.
1: You know what this guy reminds me of? Zach Stacy. You know how Zach yeah. Stacy ended up? Had a great year, high volume, effective. It was a run first offense. He mm-hmm. looked like he was going to be a hoss again, and they're like, "Wait, we could just run a better running back and gets benched."
0: Yeah. So here he is, Chris Carson, going at twenty four overall right now. Just people falling in love with the dude. And he did have a good season last season. Everybody's like, well, the Seahawks love to run. If you go back and watch the Seahawks, when they started 0-4, they didn't know their identity last season. They didn't know they are going to be running the ball that much. Correct. And, and Mike Davis was there. Chris Carson was there. And Rashad Penny was overweight. And it's like, what's going on with this offense? Oh, we are going to be running first team. Oh, we're going to run the ball like crazy, and we're going to win. And they ended up having a pretty good second half of the season. But to begin the season, it's not like, oh, we're going to run like, Crazy. No, they were kind of lost out there. Um, Chris Carson, injury prone, knee cleaned up on the offseason, and please remember that Rashad Penny was drafted in the first round, and he's an athletic freak when he isn't overweight. Uh, You look (laughs) at his pro day and everything. Um, They drafted him to be the guy. Yeah. So now this team knows they're a run-first team, and everybody in the league knows Seattle's going to be very much a run-first team. A run-first team is not going to keep a guy in the field that isn't running the ball well. Chris Carson, a run-first team's quarter running back, who only has a one-year pretty much sample size because the year before that was that injury that he had a couple games and broke his leg. Um, you know you're a run-first team. It Rashad Penny, who I do think outproduces Chris Carson pretty much with every touch this season. Uh, when the Seahawks start to see that, I think Rashad Penny becomes the guy. I mean, Chris Carson's 24. I get that. He looked good last season. Sure. sure. Or shot Benny's a better
1: back. I mean, they thought so when they set up their whole team. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he, to me, it was Carson was ready to play last season while Penny wasn't. Yep. So that's why he got the opportunity. He played well in that opportunity. He looks valid. He'll get carries. But you really want to put your, like, possibly second-round pick right. on Chris Carson? That is only, like, five picks... In front of... Or behind Mixon? Yeah. Who, who I think is on a whole new level of Yeah, reliable. Mixon is on a
0: whole new level of Chris Carson.
1: So to me, him even being close to that is un- unbelievable to me. Yeah. I think all the receivers in the area, I pretty much think every draft pick. The tight ends are way better investments at that point in the draft. Over 24.
0: My, that's insane. I, at, back at the 40s to begin it all, I'm like, that's legit. Yeah. That looks right. Because they are run first and maybe he keeps it and that's fine.
1: And even if he doesn't, there might be enough volume to sustain... At forty, and that flex area for yeah. value, e- even if Penny wins the job and is excellent, I think there's a chance.
0: And I think that I think he does. I really do. I don't think Chris Carson's that good. And and like I said, this isn't all Seattle. The you know last decade run first team. I mean, yeah, run first in the sense that Russell Wilson likes to run more he likes to throw, and they had Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. But last season, they did not come into the season saying we're going to hand the ball off a no. ton. It, <laughs> it became the team they were. They were
1: throwing. And then they couldn't block. Like, their offensive line can't pass block. So they're like, well, let's simplify
0: Let's just run the football.
1: And then they were able to get an
0: actual offensive strategy together that way. So this year, everybody, the Seahawks identity, when they talk about the Seahawks, oh, they're the number one run first team in the whole league. Chris Carson doesn't run well. The first round draft pick is getting the ball. And when Rashad Penny now is back to goal weight, and I mean, he's an athletic freak even above weight. He was looking okay at times last season. Yeah. This season, he's, he and he seemed to mature a ton from the reports he read. I'm digging Rashad Penny back in the nine around ninety. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that that's like what I expected.
1: If how can you have Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in the same draft that you have this situation? I don't see right. any real difference. No. I no. mean, a little bit. I guess Royce Freeman was ready to play and played okay, but. To me, Penny could easily be the same exact scenario that we were talking
0: about there. Yeah, I dig that. I like uh, Penny more than I like Freeman. Easily. Is that what you're saying?
1: I think it's a real argument, but the yeah. draft stock would indicate that's not it's the not case. It's right.
0: So, it's interesting.
1: I might take Royce Freeman slightly before, but it eh, it's closer than people think, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but I'll go with my keeper, Robert Woods. And so, this is a difficult one for me to call a keeper because... He is so contested in that offense with three wide receivers that are all mm-hmm. being picked pretty much in the top 50. So I think someone's going to be left out. We haven't seen very often in fantasy drafts that three wide receivers have sustained reasonable fantasy value at that point. So I think the guy that wins is Robert Woods. He's the one I feel well enough to trust. Um, I think Cooper Cup is probably the one that gets left out. But Robert Woods had a lot of targets last season. He, he was had more targets than cooks in the draft so and with the girly possible knee injuries that he's been kind of hampered with and dealing with they might be a little bit more pass happy to help protect him a little bit as the season goes on mm-hmm. i don't think it'll be a significant change in offensive philosophy but i think enough to where robert woods could even have a better year than last year and it was good so there is a little bit of a problem with him and i wouldn't want to take him much higher than 38 at all, but he's the one I'm looking to take that are and they're all like five or ten apart or something in the draft. Yeah. So I go Woods, surprisingly. The the smallest name to me, but He's my
0: favorite of the three wideouts.
1: I know he's number one on the depth chart as well at this yeah. point. So I think they like him, led the team in targets. Let's go. Robert Woods
0: for the win. And let's go start the season this Thursday. I'm ready.
1: With the Packers and Bears, look at that.
0: How about it? I don't really have anybody going, but I can't wait for it to start.
1: I got a couple leagues with Aaron Jones in it, and uh, I really don't want to play him. So we're going to see if I do the right thing. Every fantasy analyst in the world will tell you, play your studs week one, because matchups are very hard, and you never know when people are going to come in rusty. Defenses could be different than what the landscape expects. But does it have to be Chicago? Right. (laughs) The only, (laughs) them and Jacksonville are like the two that I'm like, oh, no. So we'll see how that goes for me.
0: We'll see, and we'll see how it goes for you. Thanks for listening. We brought you some good stuff, backed up. If we, if you have the, you're on the fence, then we recommend you taking our advice, making that move, and drafting well. Thanks for listening. No, it was a long special. Our episodes will be trimmed down, but there wasn't a second of poor news in this episode. I think it was all useful. Yes. Get to it, guys. We'll Enjoy your drafts. Enjoy your trades. Talk to you next week.
1: Yep, good luck. Keep an eye on that waiver wire post-draft. You might see a couple gems that uh, didn't get
0: picked up. And also, don't lose your position real easy for stuff that isn't worth it. Completely, yes. Adios. Adios.